Welcome to Those Hard Conversations, a platform dedicated to discussing solutions to the issues facing our most vulnerable and marginalized communities. We use a harm reduction approach to explore practical strategies for positive change in communities facing undeniable challenges. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to those hard conversations. I'm Elvis Rosado. And I'm Clayton Rowley. And we wanted to have a conversation about what's happening in the world, and that is COVID. So it appears that some states are starting to open up, and I mean completely open up. No more masks, no more social distancing. New Jersey yesterday announced that they're, they're, there's no need for social distancing anymore, and only certain businesses are going to still require masks. That's their right to do that. But it's not a federal, it's not a government mandate. It's an individual. If you want to come in my store, I still need you to wear a mask and some people. So I'm just, you know, kind of curious how we went overnight from, and I understand we have vaccines and whatnot. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I just find it interesting that all of a sudden there was a a Friday that comes up uh, and everything changes. So what's your, what's your take on that? Uh, my take on it is tread lightly. Um, my take on it is there are a lot of, you know, uh, you know, states and, and municipalities, cities that have been, you know, uh, very much on the grind trying to make things, you know, work as best as possible. And, you know, especially with the vaccines and, um, the numbers that say folks are getting vaccinated and, you know, the federal numbers, it's, uh, uh, you know, I think it's a bold reaction um, or bold action uh, to open up at the the breath that they're doing. And I kind of have a wait and see attitude personally. And I feel like, you know, um, organizations and companies um, should also uh, you know, tread lightly. Um, I know, you know, for folks that are doing frontline work, um, I, you know, I wouldn't anticipate that, you know, mass mandates or distancing is going to change so quickly um, just yet. Um, but as far as, you know, less, I guess, you know, stringent, you know, forms of service, you know, I can definitely see that, you know, being a problem or, or, or you know, things opening up, you know, trying to get, you know, people back to, you know, some sense of normalcy, even though there are some things I hope never come back as far as normalcy. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think that um, some, some people are not going to, some people are, were, were happy to, for this to happen because I mean, obviously there's a lot of people who think that this is all a fluke or a joke or, you know, make, make believe. And I think that there's others who are still fearful, even even with the vaccine. So, I mean, I'm 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 kind of curious to see where it's going to go. I, I literally had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. She's in the she's a server at a restaurant. She's been working in the field forever, and she's somebody who is not comfortable with the vaccine, so she chose not to get it. So she's using her mask, and was telling me how she she was working at the restaurant. And some of the people that were there 
that came in to eat were like, why are you wearing a mask? I'm not contagious, blah, blah, blah. Take off the mask. And she said they harassed her to the point where, you know, at one point they made her, you know, one group made her cry because of the way they were talking to her. Um, and they were just like, it's time to get rid of the masks. And she's, you know, I mean, she told him, she said, it's, it's my, you know, it's my decision that I still want to wear a mask. And, you know, I find it kind of interesting because if you think about it, somebody who's working at a restaurant handling your food is wearing a mask. There's less chance that they're going to cough on your food or anything. You would think that that would be a welcome thing. It'd be encur- it would be encouraged, right? It would be encouraged. You know, I'd rather have somebody wearing a mask and know, well, at least I know if they cough, it's not all over my food, than, than you know, arguing with the person, take off the bleeping mask and offend them. But it's something that I just, I find it interesting how quickly we have, I mean, I understand that we have met, like even in Philadelphia, we're up there in having close to, we're really close to meeting the quota that the president had put in place as to how many people they wanted vaccinated by this weekend. About 70%? Yeah, I think we're a little over 70%. Yeah. But um, you still have individuals who are not vaccinated. And they were like, well, you know, we want to use the honor system. And we hope that people who have not been vaccinated will use their masks. And no, what's going to happen is that everybody's going to claim to be vaccinated so they don't have to use a mask. You know, at least people who have not been, who are tired of the mask, are going to be, oh, yeah, I got my vaccine, just so they don't have to, you know, walk around with a mask. So, I mean, I I just find it interesting and and wonder what's going to happen now and what's going to happen this summer, you know? Yes, as we, you know, talk to folks, uh, we're dealing on a day and a weekend where there's a whole bunch of rain and it's a holiday time. And, you know, there's a part of me like as, uh, you know, bleak as it looks outside, I could also be encouraged because especially as things are getting, you know, lifted as far as restrictions, there's a lot less chance that folks are out and about and potentially spreading, uh, you know, disease because of the lifts, because I do think that some folks who have already been skeptical will go overboard. But, you know, I think every time, you know, folks, not every time, but a lot of times when folks feel like, you know, they can, I think, take a breather, there's always a reminder. Um, I had a intern of mine who, you know, has been out for the last couple of weeks and come to find out that a family member had died of COVID um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it just seems like fortunately, um, but unfortunately, unless people are physically touched and this person wasn't a skeptic of mass wearing or anything, but there are a lot of folks that are because they see, haven't seen uh, it happening, uh, to them or family members in part because they probably wore a mask. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, I think overall, you know, the theme of our, you know, our sessions, our talks have always been around like the wellness of of you as an individual definitely equates to the wellness of me and the selfishness that I've seen by some during this time is something that I don't want to return 
back to as far as something simple like putting something not just on your chin as far as a mask goes, but over your nose and over your (laughs) mouth correctly. This is not, you know, month number one where there's a question. And I think there's, I don't think there should have been a question in month number one about how to properly wear it. What's the point of going into, you know, establishments uh, with a mask mandate and either a, you know, trying to force confrontation by not wearing the mask at all or not wearing the mask correctly. Um, You know, there's a quote that I'll share, and I hope it's not too racy for folks that, you know, talks about mask in relationship to something else that we use as a form of protection or some people use as a form of protection, which is like wearing a mask, you know, under your nose or wearing a mask not over your mouth is like wearing a condom on your balls. Like it just doesn't work. And, you know, there's been an ignorance and a just unwillingness to comply to what everyone says has been highly effective in saving lives because you don't want to be convenienced because you, you know, have diabetes, which, you know, I've heard as a reason why they can't wear a mask uh, because you can't breathe, quote unquote, even though the material is very uh, breathable. And there's different types of masks. So if you can't get one that makes you not feel like you can't breathe, then, you know, you can find another one. Uh, There's been a lot of excuse making during this time. And although I'm very proud of, you know, all the frontline workers and all my coworkers and people that I know and just society in general for, uh, you know, in general, their steadfastness, steadfastness on, um, you know, trying to do the right thing, not just for themselves and their families, but for everyone else. Uh, There's definitely been a great cloud over this experience, which is very much, I think, um, rooted in a conservatism around my body, my right, but in other aspects, if it was about other people's body and other people's rights, they'd be, you know, saying that, you know, you can't say that, you know, you just shouldn't do it. So it's like yeah. a walking contradiction with some folks, uh, whether it's around the actual like wearing a mask or it's around, you know, you know, th- thinking about like, you know, distancing. Um, and, you know, and certainly as we get more closer to uh, regular vaccine outlets for folks to access, um, you know, some folks, when it's convenient for them, will take up the mantle of, you know, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and that's my right. And yet will well, oppress others on the same vein. Um, I think I think that that's, you know, one of the I mean, I think you mentioned it and, and I and I agree on it that I think this is more, not everybody, but the the small portion of resistance or resistors is more because it's an inconvenience to them. Whether they believe that the, that the COVID was real or whether it was just an issue of, uh, I should not be forced to wear this if I don't want to, has created this, 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 you know, environment or this, this, movement where people think 
I shouldn't have to wear a mask, even if I'm contagious, even if I may be contagious. And you should still be forced to give me the services that I want. I should be able to walk in your store. Like, you know, I've seen videos of, of the one where this woman is, she calls 911 because the guy refuses to let her in the store. And she's like, they don't want to let me in the store. And the operator, she puts them on speaker thinking that the operator is going to be in her favor. And the police was like, yep, you know, from the dispatch was like, they don't have to let you in. It's their business. They have a right to re- deny you service. No shoes, no shirt, no mask. They can deny you service. You, we, will, we can't force somebody to let you into their store because you don't want to agree with the policies. Oh, well, I have breathing conditions and blah, blah, blah. Then maybe you should have sent somebody else shopping for you. And these are some of the things, you know, but do you, do you, I'm just do you have a note? Do you have a note? Well, no, I shouldn't have to produce a note to say that, you know, um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't make, you know, sense. And, and I'm it, sorry. It doesn't. But it doesn't. But the funny part is, you know, there's people like, for instance, you know, um, there's people who have certain medical conditions who need to use the restroom on a regular basis who have a bracelet or da- or dog tags that says this person has a medical condition that they frequently have to use the bathroom. And in some places, they have to let them use the restroom because it's considered a disability and they have proof. But if you don't have a proof, and even if you do, if you have if you have a note that says, I can't wear a mask because I can't breathe, and you know that that establishment is not going to let you in without a mask, then either order online and have it delivered or have somebody else do the shopping for you. But you can't force somebody because you don't want to wear a mask or you don't want to get vaccinated. You can't force somebody and tell the rest of the world that they have to accommodate you and cater to you because you don't think the rules are fair. Yeah. But I'm wondering, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I think this reminds me of like sound public health strategies that everyone knows that works being denied by certain people because of their moral judgment on what should and should be done. Um, And it speaks to, you know, the same thing that we deal with in harm reduction on a regular basis with outside community people. You know, it's not about whether, you know, something like syringe exchange uh, works. We know that it works. It's not something like whether giving folks access to overdose prevention or fentanyl test strips uh, works. We know it works. It's yeah. certain people saying that, you know, if we do that, then we're, 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 we're hyping it up bigger than it should be. If we're doing that, then we are, you know, condoning, we're it. condoning it. We're supporting, you know, the fear around, in this case, COVID, we're, we're making it bigger than it is. You know, we should just be bold and, 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 you know, do what we want. And if we happen to get it, then we happen to get it. If people happen to overdose and die, people overdose and die. They shouldn't have been doing it anyway. If people contract HIV or hepatitis C or lose a limb because of wound care infection, because they used a, reused a syringe, even though we have the clear means to give someone access to these supplies. Well, that's okay because, you know, they shouldn't have been doing it already. Um, but here's, here's, here's food for thought, right? So I'm curious what's going to happen six months from now, let's say six months from now. Um, 
the government decides, the world decides, we're done with the masks, we're done with quarantine, the world is open again. But you're still going to have a handful of people who never got vaccinated, who are still at risk of contracting it, who may decide, I still want to wear a mask. Are they now going to be denied access into certain places because, I mean, I, I said this when I went to the bank with my mom two weeks ago, and I was like, you know, it's kind of funny. A bank was the was one of those places where you could not walk in with a mask on because the first thing they thought was you were going to rob them. And now everybody, you, they, you can't get into the bank without the mask. But what's going to happen to people once the world decides we don't need the masks anymore, but there are people who still fear contracting COVID and want to wear a mask in public and in stores and in banks. And, you know, are we going to now force people, you have to lose the mask? I don't know. I think that's a really good question. I think in some ways it's even the playing field specifically for the reason you just mentioned. I know as a, as a, as a black man, I couldn't walk into any establishment with a mask on, uh, especially if I had a hoodie or a baseball cap on and be made mm-hmm. and, and, and not be profiled. And now, you know, because everyone wears masks, half of your face is cut off anyway. So it's like you don't know what people are actually, you know, coming in on the intention side besides to actually what? Probably peruse your store, shop at your store, eat at your restaurant, um, mm-hmm. wherever the case is. I'd like to say ideally it will level the playing field where maybe there won't be as much judgment based on, you know, having a covering on your face. I mean, think about someone like uh, if you are a a practicing, you know, Muslim person and you've, you know, been made to wear facial coverings, um, you know, particularly if you're, you know, a, a lady, woman, female identified person and used to catch flack around it. And now the whole world has been made to wear a mask because of this pandemic. Um, you know, does it change, change people's perception on, you know, mask wearing now? I mean, I hope it does. I mean, I think there'll definitely be some people who will always wear a mask because wearing a mask is a form of harm reduction. Um I hope this is an opportunity and I know I've been on, you know, several phone calls and, you know, done presentations where, you know, we remind folks that harm reduction is a set of practical public health strategies designed to reduce negative consequences of risky behaviors. And yes, a risky behavior during COVID was going outside because it was an airborne, uh, you know, disease slash infection. Um, but we do this with everything like, you know, seatbelts and, you know, we've had, you know, a session on, on the relationship, uh, you know, with harm reduction and, and this is a form of harm reduction. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of people in Asian, uh, countries that were wearing masks way before COVID. Um, I was going to say that. And, and they, was, you know, yeah. they were doing it and people would look at them sideways. There were people in America, you <laughs> know, walking on college campuses of Asian descent uh, or just in, you know, the neighborhoods, you know, downtown that were wearing masks. And, and mm-hmm. folks were like, why are they doing that? That looks weird. And now folks are like, oh, that's why they were doing it. Um, I, yeah. I can tell you personally, I haven't gotten a cold since I've been wearing a mask. You know, you know, infections, I'm sure, are down overall with individuals. 
because instead of spreading it out in the open in the open air, now you know whatever they're putting out comes back into themselves via having that facial barrier as a mask. So even even allergies, allergies went down because people had their faces covered. So you know it wasn't going up their noses and causing them to have allergies and sinus infections. So it, it was more preventative than people knew. And even even in that sense, I mean, I think COVID as a whole, the impact that it had on the world, pollution was down. Skies were clearer. The ozone got a little better. So, it, I mean, some people joke and say Mother Nature put her foot down and put everybody on timeout because nobody was listening to the global warming and nobody was paying attention. You know, it's kind of funny, but it's true. There was rarely, barely any cars moving or any planes flying. So the air got cleaner in, in the year. And I mean, obviously, we're going to go back to what we do because as human beings, we can't help ourselves. You know, we overconsume and, and or civilized humans because the savages, as, as the world calls them, the indigenous folk, they still take care of the environment and, and, and everything that they have. It's, it's the civilized people that overconsume. With quotations. And, and, yeah. The quotation <laughs> civilized people. I think there are a lot yes, of people that yes. try to conserve where they can. But yes, this is a very uh, consumer based, uh, you know, society that wants yeah. what it wants and it wants it now. And it doesn't matter, you know, how it's gotten um, as long as it's had. Um, yeah. and, and I hope, like I said earlier, that, you know, folks can recognize the practice of harm reduction in the sense of COVID. And maybe this is that avenue that's needed um, in our circles to push the envelope um, to a larger society about, you know, the fact that this is something that you have experienced. I think a lot of times when we're talking about harm reduction for drug users, particularly what people consider hardcore drugs, you know, it's hard for them to relate because they have not seen it, you know, either personally or they see it like second or third person. And, you know, it's hard to relate or they just don't want to relate. Whereas, you know, if you can take some of the 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 things that we've done as a society doing during this pandemic, um, like you said, pollution will be down, not just overall, but certainly individually, like, you know, uh, hand sanitizer and hand washing. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you know, think about us, you know, you know, a year, two years ago um, and our own personal hygiene habits. Um, you know, would you wash your hands every time you, you know, touched multiple surfaces? No, most people would not. You know, would you wash your hands every time you were going to eat or drink something? Most people would say no. Um, yeah. You know. If you were outside and, and you were, you know, doing something really strenuous um, and you and you wiped your face or you, you, you know, took the, the sweat off of your head and, and, you know, rubbed it on on, you know, something like would you, you know, sanitize that area? No, I, I think that, you know, there are some changes that this has given to us that I hope we never go back uh, from doing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that um, they've gotten so used to washing their hands so frequently or using hand sanitizer so frequently 
that I think that the habit is already built in and they're probably going to continue to do that. I mean, there's people who are going to get lax and I'm like, I'm not paying for sanitizer again, but if it's available for free, they might use it. But, you know, I think overall, I'm hope I'm hoping that the the majority of the of society has gotten comfortable with the washing of hands on a frequent basis, and that 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 in itself, like you said, is a form of harm reduction, and it's going to reduce a lot of a lot of sickness and 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 um and germ spreading. And I also hope that a lot of the organizations and a lot of the businesses that implemented wiping things down on a regular basis and cleaning everything, that they also maintain that. Because that's a that's a, a an important practice to have, the sanitary practice within a restaurant or public public places like, you know, public restrooms at SEPTA, SEPTA stations or, you know, other other locations. I mean, I'm hoping that that the habit stays. I mean, I, I've become self-conscious that every time I'm going to sit down and eat now, like you said, there was times when I was going to sit down and eat and I was like, whatever. And I would just eat and keep it moving. Now, every time I go to get ready to go eat something, I look at my hands and I go, yeah, I got to wash my hands. And I end up having to go wash my hands really well first before I eat because I've become you know, overconscious of the fact that I don't know what's on my hands. I don't know what I touched from the restaurant to my desk, you know? So, or I do know what I've touched and it's been a lot of surfaces and I don't know who else has had touched them. So, yeah, you know, this, I'm hoping, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, save, you know, just the, the, the barriers and, and those type of things, you know, the, the necessity is a mother of invention uh, piece also, like when it comes to like telemedicine uh, stays um i'm hoping that you know video conferencing um stays uh, i mean i like to travel um you know my job uh previously and and elvis you know does the same was definitely doing a lot of like in person uh you know presentations and 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 you know participating in meetings in person and that's good and i will welcome you know to a, a good extent you know doing that again, as we start to open back up. But, um, you know, especially, you know, given certain times a day and and where you're being asked to go and and people's availability to technology, like if you can actually facilitate something using video conferencing, um, that should be a regular part of, of, of the, you know, food chain. Um, if you can get people medication that they need and see someone and you don't need to do a physical exam, um, if, if you can get people access to their drug treatment, uh, their medication assisted treatment, um, and you don't need to see them in person and they have access to the, the internet, it's about creating more options for folks. And I think it's unfortunate that once again, it came in a reactive, uh, way but yeah we, we know now that certain things have been helpful to folks um it has kept people connected even though they weren't being been they haven't been able to physically you know feel and touch each other but it was still better than nothing like using technology uh in a way to you know promote better wellness um as far as support like support groups and 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 chat groups. Um, 
I think has been very helpful for a lot of folks during this time, and I hope it doesn't go away. And then using it on a medical side has been very helpful. I don't think it should be the only way. I mean, I think there should still be access to in-person um, activities, um, you know, because obviously there's folks who, you know, need that that feel and, and touch. They need to see uh, people the in the contact, flesh. Yeah. They need the human contact. But I think, you know, we're at a place now where we, we had the opportunity due to reactive, uh, you know, measures to give something a go. And we see that it was successful in a lot of ways. Let's keep that. Let's build on that. Um, and, you know, even when it comes to workplace environment, there are some positions at work that don't need you to come into the office every day. If you can do your work from home, let's keep that. Um, you know, it might be a disappointment for real estate folks who might feel, you know, find out that their spaces are not being needed as often because there's not as many people in their buildings as often. But um, as far as like overall wellness, especially I'm thinking about like, you know, parents and, and people that have other, you know, things that they want to do, um, you know, to travel a half an hour to an hour to get to the office, just to sit behind a desk when if you can be focused and have your own office space and do work at home, you're, you can do just as good of work. If it's worked, uh, let's continue to keep that up. You know, that's harm reduction as well. You know, like, yeah, you know, but part of that, part of that is also interesting because, you know, Think about the fact that you have those individuals who miss the human contact and want to be able to socialize, but are also anti-vaccine. And they're like, I'm not getting a vaccine. You know, there's chips in it. There's lead in it. There's mercury in it. Um, the government is trying to control us, which which for me, I, I, I you know, and, I, and you and I have had this conversation a million times. I find it interesting where people think that the government is behind this. And I'm like, so what you're telling me is that all of the governments in the world, the Muslims, the Chinese, the, the communists, the Jews, the Catholics, the American, whatever, everybody in the world, and even groups who, can, who can't even get along, who are killing each other, paused for a minute and said, let's just fuck with the world and let's pretend that there's a virus out there and let's shut the world down. Because I can understand if it was just one country that was saying, we have this problem, we're shutting the country down, everybody has to wear masks, no one is allowed outside. That's what I they thought in China. That. That's what they thought when China first yeah. had it, and that's what they thought when Italy had it. It was like, oh, not yeah. us. You know, that's yeah, but the, the, yeah and the, but the weird thing is, is that the whole world was affected. Millions of people died around the world, and people are still saying this is a hoax. So you think the whole world got together for one? They couldn't get together for peace sake. They couldn't get together to end world hunger. They couldn't get together for anything else but to play a giant hoax on the world and pretend that a disease exists when it doesn't. It, 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 it's ridiculous. And yet people still believe that this is not real. People still believe, you know, that the vaccine is just the government trying to put things into you to monitor you and to control you and to make you sick. And, and it's like, I, I don't get it. I don't, I mean, obviously I don't get it. Cause if I did, I'd be just like them, but, but I just like there, the, the fact that, that people do not take a moment to get, um, 
properly informed, to make informed decisions and do the homework and say, okay, hmm, this is what's happening. This is how many people have died. These are all the, this is the entire impact of all this. There has to be something to it because the world is closed. Planes were not flying. You know, people were being, I mean, people were getting paid to stay home. In what, in what uh, common sense mind do you think that an employer would be okay with saying, Clayton, just for the hell of it, you get to stay home and I'm going to pay you <laughs> for the next six months to a year. You don't have to come in. Just check in on your computer. We're going to pay you. Yeah, we're going to give you extra unemployment if you want to take it. I mean, I just, people didn't have no problem taking the money and taking the time off. But they had a problem with with believing in in that the, the, you know that this was real, and I and I just find it interesting because with the vaccine, you know, people are like, oh, it's a fake. You can't trust it. It's something they couldn't have they couldn't have made a vaccine that quick. Yeah, they could, because this is COVID nineteen. That means there have been eighteen other COVIDs before this one, and they've been studying this for years. And the process was already there. It was just trying to figure out how do we make it into a vaccine? And, you know, by the grace of God or, or, you know, we should be grateful that they were able to discover something and that it was implemented. If not, we'd probably be closed for another year. You have the world's best scientists all focusing on one project with a cheat sheet from previous yes. versions of COVID. Uh, and sharing information. And sharing information when typically they didn't because everyone was being affected, not just, you know, yeah. this country's or this pharmaceutical company's catchment area or not just this one country or this one city or this one state or province, but everyone is affected. When you put minds together, you know, it's like the, the old, you know, civil rights, you know, march, uh, you know, uh, you know. I won't call it a song, but chant. The people united will never be defeated. The people united will never be defeated. But yeah. you, you, you said a couple of things, and I want to go back a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned about how, you know, folks could be so gullible to think that, you know, governments, you know, would conspire to all of a sudden come together when they can't come together for anything else to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, basically, you know, do this COVID thing and it's a joke and it's not real. It reminds me getting back to, you know, a lot of the work that we do about how folks felt and feel, I would still say to a large amount, about folks who use drugs or particularly folks who were using drugs in Kensington, you know, folks in the suburbs, folks in other parts of the city, didn't think that it was, I won't say it didn't think it was real, but they thought it was isolated. They didn't think that yeah. it was something that they need to pay to pay attention to because it wasn't affecting them and their people. It was those people over yeah, there. People. It wasn't us, you know? And so what happens is then, you know, you know, through a host of mechanisms, including, you know, the overprescription of opioids to communities at large. Now you start to see that you have folks who are, you know, not just in Kensington, but in other areas of the, you know, country in suburban and, and rural areas, but certainly suburban areas, because they oftentimes carry influence with them that are now being affected by this. 
now it's not just a them thing, it's a us thing. And now there's questions about, well, why isn't this medication that reverses an overdose available without a prescription? Why, if I have this medication that I got through a prescription and I try to save a life and something happens, why could I possibly be charged? Oh, let's get, you know, a blanket prescription for naloxone, um, a.k.a. Narcan, um, or and let's get a good Samaritan law. It took people being affected in places other than one or two places to bring the the antennas up and say, hey, I actually have to do something about this because it's now affecting my my folks. And it yeah. should never get to that point. But in similar fashion to, you know, the war on drugs, similar fashion to the opioid epidemic, as it started to cross over into different populations, um, more folks have to be aware, more folks have to pay attention. Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to see the same uh, you know, in black and brown communities, even though I will say that there's been a lack of access and promotion in those communities as well. But when we're talking about the presence of fentanyl in the drug supply, as we've mentioned several times on these sessions, and the fact that now it's crossing over into, you know, the cocaines and, and, and you know, the different pills and different classes of drugs outside of opiates. Now more folks who used to say, what do I need to know about Narcan or I don't use dope, I don't do this, are now having to say like, oh, I've been touched. Oh, you know, I've also been affected. We have to practice, you know, harm reduction. We have to be more, uh, you know, sympathetic, empathetic, um, with people who are battling substances overall, because the substance of my choice is also now being affected. Um, and, and so I think, you know, COVID and this experience as a society, uh, whether it's worldwide, nationwide, statewide, citywide, uh, wherever you are, has a chance to hopefully be a point of relation to a larger uh emphasis on we are more connected than we are separated. Um, and if we can do things that help save individuals, whether it's, you know, five minutes away, you know, five, you know, days away, five months away from being harmed because we have the strategies and expertise and science, say it again, and science to actually <laughs> help people, then that's what we need to do. And in most cases, not only is it beneficial on the short term, but it's beneficial on the long term, not just for the individual, but financially, it's going to be beneficial, um, which is something that, that I think that, we talk about all the time. Continue, Elvis. No, no, no. I was going to say, and that's, and that's something that um, um, I think that the, the, I mean, obviously we, without getting too, you know, get too caught up in this, we saw, you know, similar responses from people after these, this past election. That some people get caught up on something and they believe something and it doesn't matter who comes down, you know, aliens could come down and say, no, you know, this is what happened and they're not going to believe it because they're set on their way. And if it, 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 for them to say I was wrong, they would rather die than admit that they that they made a mistake or that they were wrong. So, you know, I think the same thing has happened this with this whole COVID thing where 
Some people, whether it's they didn't want to be inconvenienced. You know, I wonder how many of these people are people that are tired of their spouse being at home and their kids being at home and they just want them gone. And it's like, okay, you know what? Let's get this over and done with. I'm tired of looking at them because this, this, I mean, this did impact a lot of people. <laughs> and you know what? I, I'm, this it impacted a lot of people where they were stuck at home with their loved ones and people couldn't go to the bar and get drunk to get away from their husband or their wife or, you know, their kids couldn't go to the playground. So they're running around the inside of the house, driving them nuts. And, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, there's a lot of reasons why people chose not to believe or they want this to be over and done with as soon as possible. But, you know, I still, I still, what gets me is that we could have, we have, we have three vaccines out already, possibly a fourth one coming at some point, but we have three already that people can get and possibly get the world back open and, and on, you know, normal routes. And then you now have a bunch of people that don't believe in it for whatever their reasons. You know, some of it I honestly think is, um, I, I, I have to say crazy because the whole issue of, you know, the conversation that I had with a family member as far as, oh yeah, you know, there's lead in it. My boss got the vaccine and then put a magnet to his arm and it got stuck on there. Well, lead is not magnetic, but also, you know, you're taking the word of your boss, but don't want to accept, like you said earlier, the scientists, the scientists of the world have said, and their response to me was, well, that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe what they're saying. Again, but they're the scientists, and you're listening to your boss. And not it's a factory. Yeah, and not only that, and, and I know who you speak of, and they're not even trying to, if they don't want to believe the science, and they're going to believe some anecdotal observation by their boss, then why wouldn't they want to believe an anecdotal observation from family members in plural who have yeah. gotten the vaccination? They're a lot closer to them than you would think than their boss. Um, yeah. and, and that's problematic too. I mean, I'm not saying that all family members know what's going on. Cause obviously we have a lot of folks that are followers and, you know, if one person says, you know, black people only do this or, Puerto Ricans only do this or gay people only do this. There are some folks that follow, but yeah. you know, if you're going to look for examples of why something doesn't work, then look for examples why it should work as well. And I think science should be number one, but certainly in the case of this person who, you know, I know, um, you know, people that have close relations with them who have, you know, done you know, both doses or done the single dose and come out unscathed and have been very healthy should be just as a, enough as an example, even to the point where like, okay, maybe you don't get the vaccine, but do you actually mention what was mentioned to you, Elvis, in public or in a, a group setting and actually think that it has legs? Like, you know, I don't want to say keep your ignorance to yourself, but, you know, you sound far-fetched and, you know, like you said, crazy, you know, making arguing points, knowing that you're dealing with people who have actually gone through the experience and are healthy. Like, you don't make any sense, you know, like, 
take a chill pill, you know? This is something that, I mean, uh, I mean, there's always going to be the naysayers, no matter what, what the conversation is. There's going to be the non-believers, no matter what the conversation is. Um, but for me, I think that it's important to, to have, to have these hard conversations with people because and not, not, and not arguments, but conversations where, like I said, you know, I, t- I told people before, the minute they start saying this is a hoax, this, this virus is not real, blah, blah, blah. I, I go, I go right to that, that point that I made earlier about the whole world coming together at the, to, to play a hoax on the world when they wouldn't come together for other things that are more important, you know? Um, and I tell them, I said, look, just think about that. Explain to me how that is possible because then we need to figure out how to bring all these people together again to end world hunger and end wars and, and, you know, and, and, and build homes and give clean water to people in the world. And I mean, it's just, it's just, I think people sometimes need something to fight for, even if it doesn't make sense. And it's as scary as that sounds. There's a lot of people who, you know, like it's like the end of the world, folks. There's people who have prepared for the end of the world since they were young, and they're probably in their 60s now, and they're still waiting for the end of the world and got all their weapons and all their foods and their bunkers and everything. And they're like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, of course, the end of the world is going to happen someday. But for you, it's not going to happen for your time. <laughs> for you, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, think just uh, making sure that people, have to make educated decisions and are are given not overwhelming information but clear clear information as to listen don't take my word for it go read this reach out to these folks the cdc you know scientists think about it you know you don't have a problem like we've said earlier um people don't have a problem with technology they don't have a problem having their cell phone on 24 hours a day and being tracked and and the phone listening to your conversations and you know as creepy as it is I I some it's already happened three times where I'm having a conversation and then I open up my phone and there's a there's a commercial or there's something being posted based on the conversation that I just had right you know that doesn't bother people that doesn't scare people but scientists saying you know this is real apparently is a it's a whole different story so yeah, yeah. and and you know my thing is, especially because I've dealt with people and lived with people who, you know, have had like federal jobs and, you know, they've had to be, you know, vetted in, in certain aspects. Trust me, if the government wants to know something about you, the government can find something about you in so many different ways. And it's not going to be based around social media. And it no. wouldn't be the alley oop, which is, we want everyone to get a vaccination. This will be the perfect opportunity to track people. Everybody. Yeah, they, 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 they would have done that through your primary care physician. They, they do that through when you register for a, a class or, you know, you, you sign up for the, the, the Internet provider or your gas company or basically everything that you do you know when you give your information out your information is out there now there are some things you can make more private than others no one is saying that um that's not the case but uh the the hesitancy um i mean you can be skeptical about the vaccination for instance because of the timing um but the science is there 
it gets tested, it gets reviewed. There's a board that gives its you know approval, and then it gets put out. They try to give as many side effects. They look, they monitor, they do everything right. You can be skeptical, but the argument around it being like some type of uh, you know governmental scheme to like you know get people all lined up you know to form a a, a super union of uh, you know you know I don't even know what to call it like you know soldiers that will do whatever the government bids or trying to kill people uh, mind you COVID in all likelihood would have killed more people than the vaccine would have promoted killing. Um, it's just, you know, far-fetched and, and ridiculous. So, you know, I think, you know, having those hard conversations with family and friends, uh, obviously still allowing for choice, uh, not arguing, um, not browbeating people is important, but also, you know, going back to harm reduction, taking what we know as sound public health strategies, putting them into effect and doing them correctly and actually being uh, thorough with it. I mean, it's one thing if we just say wear a mask, but we're not trying to do a vaccine for folks. You know, it's one thing if we say wear a mask, but don't use hand san- sanitizer, don't wash your hands every you know, however many times or whenever this happens, uh, don't, you know, sterilize your your settings. Like if you want harm reduction to work in similar practice with, you know, what we've done for COVID, it needs to be a thorough process that's ongoing and has many tentacles of it. You can't just, for instance, when you talk about our stuff, say, hey, we know we want to do syringe exchange because we know it stops the spread of HIV, but then we don't want to house people. We don't want resources in the community. We don't want proper places for folks to inject. We don't want proper places for folks to dispose of, you know, the works that they get. Uh, We don't want systems that help people, um, you know, feel better about themselves, uh, getting mental health care and social service access. We just want to provide this one thing because that's the least that we can do. And it takes us off the hook for doing absolutely nothing at all. And then later on, like you say, you know, or I've said in the past, say, oh, well, harm reduction doesn't work. Um, No, you didn't actually thoroughly practice it on an ongoing basis with a long term plan to expand and change how you do services. So you set it up to fail. Okay. Um, And, and, you know, one thing, especially as we've changed administrations in this country that you've seen is that there's been a thorough approach that's been backed by science and data. There has not been any sort of backbiting or or. negative coming from top administrators about what's too difficult to do, despite the fact that everyone says it's a mandatory thing that you do. Um, you know, but think about that. You, you know, think about that. It's kind of funny because people want, they don't trust the government. They don't believe the stuff that's been implemented, but they want something done about it. You know, they want them to do something about COVID. They want them to do something about uh, uh, opening the world back up and getting rid of the masks, but they don't want to accept that the the things that have been put into place. And some people, like we said earlier, don't want to accept that this thing is real. And it's like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I don't believe, but I want you to do something about it. What do you want them to do? Come out and say, psych, fool you. <laughs> it's been a bad you know, dream. 
Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, but, in the um, end, I think everyone that's been working on the ground, and I think just everyone overall wants this to go away as quickly as possible. But wanting it to go away and actually doing actions towards making it go away are two totally different things. And this is very similar to the work that we do on a regular basis. One thing is not going to change everything. And just because you don't like what's being asked of you doesn't mean that it's wrong to ask you to do it. Um, yeah. And we just have to get more people on board, whether it's around ending COVID or ending the war on drugs, ending, you know, the the, the hurt um, that our communities have faced, which lead to people doing drugs and doing other risky behaviors. We have to get folks on the page, which is you may not like what the answers are, but the answers have been proven to be effective either through science, uh, you know, qualitative or quantitative. And we need to give things that have not been given a chance to work, a chance to work. And things that have not worked need to be exercised out of the process. Because yep. why continue to do something over and over and expect a new result? What is that the definition of? Insanity. Insanity. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. So let's uh, let's uh, start closing it out here. I mean, all I can say is, um, you know, folks. Definitely do some research, do some homework, get informed, do make some informed decisions either before or after vaccines, you know, after masks mandates are, are done. Keep your practices going, continue to wash your hands and use sanitizers, you know, keep them around. It, it's something that we may see more, more often in the future. You know, we've seen movies like that in the past where, you know, societies were walking around with, breathing tanks on and whatnot. I mean, hopefully this is a wake up call for the planet that we need to make some serious changes, not just as a people, but as a country, as a, as a planet to protect the planet and protect those, you know, what we have. I mean, it's not like we're ready to live on another planet right now. So, but um, yeah. And I'll say once again, to quote the great Bren Franklin, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So, yeah. you know, we definitely, you know, have learned from this experience. Uh, I'm sure some of us did not want to learn from the experience. Uh, some of us would have loved to just remain ignorant, but we know that certain things work. And to the extent that we've learned it for COVID, I'm hoping that we can continue to learn it for harm reduction. There's been a lot of progress made in the last, uh, you know, decade plus um, certainly in the last few years, uh, we know that there are strategies that work, they're scientific, they have been proven effective, and we just need to continue that, not just for our sakes by ourselves, but for the sakes of everyone else. So I, I agree. If you have been uh, on the ignorant side of things, please, you know, try to get more informed about things, especially when it comes to you know, overall wellness, but certainly around COVID and, and next steps. If you're someone who has been a leader uh, in spreading awareness, continue to be that leader, continue to uh, regularly engage and educate yourself because a lot of folks will look to you for that education uh, and know that science is real uh, and you can't, you know, ask for solutions if you don't want the answers. Um, so yep. on that note, uh, we're wrapping up another session of Those Hard Conversations. I am Clayton Ruley. And I am Elvis Rosado. 
and we will talk to you next time. Everyone take care. Peace. Have a safe one. Thanks for listening to THC. Follow us on Facebook at Those Hard Conversations or visit our website at thosehardconversations.com. Thank you.